0: Today's reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 2 and 6 to 7. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and anyone who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, follow me, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If they do, they will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins and no one after drinking old wine desires new for they will say, the old is good. The Gospel of Christ. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ.
1: Pray together. Father, as you have welcomed us to sit and eat with you, may we also welcome others as your son Jesus welcomed us. In His name, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. Now the year was 2019, and there arose in the internet a photo of uh, Ellen DeGeneres sitting beside George Bush in a stadium private party uh, suite. Uh, in Dallas. They were, in this picture, they were seen laughing together as they watched a football game with their spouses. Now it blew up a piece of the internet and Ellen was castigated for appearing to be chums with the former president due to the fact that Ellen is a lesbian liberal and George Bush is a conservative Republican. Never the twain shall meet based on the supreme judgment of many keyboard warriors online. Now, in her usual comedic fashion, Ellen took it online to defend her friendship with President Bush. She said this, we're all different and I think we've forgotten that. That's okay, that we're all different. But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. Now, many online praise Ellen for her usual positivity, Now, others retained uh, their offense. That pretty much sums up the internet for you. Now, Jesus himself, Jesus himself offended the sensibilities of pretty much everyone he met. It was by the things he said, as we learned back uh, a few weeks ago, that got his hometown wanting to kill him. It was with whom Jesus hung out with, as we just read that offended people, and it was also how he hung out with people that brought offense. So why did Jesus and his first band of followers cause so much controversy? Well, they were party animals. At least, that's how the religious elites saw them as. They were party animals. There, there would be many other party scenes or dinner table settings throughout the Gospel of Luke. Many of them, which got Jesus and his disciples in trouble. Now, at this point in the story, Jesus had just caught his first catch of followers. I'll make you catchers of men. Now he has a few fishermen with him. Now this time he's caught another one, a tax collector named Levi. His name is Matthew in another gospel. Levi was so excited about Jesus, he threw a party mixer at his place because he wanted to introduce his buddies uh, to Jesus and his crew. Now, in those days, if you're Jewish and you're a tax collector, you're considered a traitor to your own people. You're probably dead to your own family. They probably had a funeral over you because you are actually collaborating with the empire over you, and you're profiting from extorting your own kind. Now that would have been problematic for Jesus' first followers to have suddenly a tax collector among their ranks. But that apparently wasn't the issue, at least not for the writer here, for Luke. But it was for the religious leaders. Because for them, in their estimation, holy people shouldn't be mixing with sinners, with traitors at that. So Jesus responds to that. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, that may sound condescending to Levi and his band of sinners, if you will, being called sinners, labeled sinners. Jesus labeled them. He did that. Even being described, describing them as sick, they have a disease. That sounds condescending. But they already knew that about themselves in some weird way. They understood that. They felt that even from everyone else in society because everyone else stayed away from them that they, like they were sick, like they were contagious, like they were worse than lepers. Can't be with them. And Levi and his friends, being Jewish, they were likely religious enough to know that they did not measure up to whatever standards of their day they couldn't, even if they tried or cared to try. Maybe they became tax collectors or sinners because they needed to survive in that brutal time. Maybe they needed to do that to feed their kids. Maybe they had no other choice. We just don't know. But they clearly, clearly understood their place in society. That they had no place in society. But you know what? Suddenly there was this miracle-working rabbi named Jesus and his group of friends who suddenly wanted to hang out with them. Who wanted to hang out with these sinners. Contagious traitors. That was all that mattered to them. They didn't care. They wanted to hang out with them. Here's the bigger point, which I think Jesus is making clear to the religious leaders. That his Hanging out with sinners brings healing to them. His hanging out with sinners brings healing to them. We already saw in the story how Jesus' touch heals people. We already saw how Jesus' words heal people. Here in the story, we're seeing that Jesus' spending time heals people. Not just because he's physically together in the same room, but he's sharing a meal. He's actually spending a purposeful, enjoyable time with them. Now serendipitously, our English word for hospitality, you can't spell that without hospital. Now there's probably some linguistic history to that. But it's actually hinting that the root of hospitality somehow involves the cure of soul, the self being healed. Relationships being restored whenever a person, especially who has been outcast, is welcomed into a space, brought into the company of others, and are treated as a guest. They have a seat at the table. They're served and waited upon. That's healing. Now, one of my favorite films is titled The Bet's Feast. Maybe some of you may have seen that. It's this Danish drama produced in 1987. It tells of the side story of Babette. She is this former head chef um, in a famous restaurant in a 19th century Paris. and She fled from Paris because of the war going on there and she sought refuge in this island whose inhabitants were of this aging and austere religious Protestant group. They're a miserable bunch. They're grumpy at each other. They were not getting along with each other. Now one day, Babette found out, after many years in the island, she found out she won the lottery back in Paris. And to show her gratitude to these islanders for welcoming her these many years, she uses up all her winnings to prepare this multi-course Parisian dinner for everyone in the island. Now, some of the islanders heard about this and they started to freak out. They were very religiously strict because they were concerned that these strange and extravagant delicious food would be sinful to enjoy. But they went along with it. They just wanted to entertain the bet. As dinner was served, each dish was presented. Everyone's guards started to drop. They began to loosen up. Their shoulders were dropping. They started to talk with each other for the first time after a long time. Old buddies, they were reminiscing fond memories together through the decades. Others were asking for forgiveness for that little thing that they did a long time ago against them. Everyone was being healed by the culinary experience. The Bat's Feast, the Bat's Hospitality, became a hospital to everyone at the table. Relationships were restored, grudges were dropped, sins were forgiven. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, but some will say that partying with people isn't actually the point. You know what? It's actually the call to repentance. Like, so what if you party with people? That's useless. you got to call them to repent. That's what... Jesus said, I've come to call sinners to repent. That's true, but let's think about it. Let's think about it. Jesus could have then just told Levi and his guests to repent of their sins. And he did not need to show up at the party. He could have just done that. If it's all that matters, is to tell them to repent. That's the bottom line. But what would that convey? What would that convey? Jesus would have just been a Pharisee. Jesus would have been just like the religious leaders, telling sinners to repent from very far away, standing over them from heaven, standing over them on a soapbox. No, the message is also the medium. The message of the gospel is also the method. If sinners are to turn from sin and turn to God, Jesus, needed to be right there with them, hanging out with them, we read from Isaiah, God is inviting his people to come, while I am near, he says, I am with you, facing me face to face, turn to me. I am right here. I'm not far away. Come back to me. That's what Jesus is doing. That's why God came to us in Jesus in the first place. Yes, he sent out prophets to say repent, but that wasn't enough. The message became a man. The message became a man, and he hung out with sinners like you, like me. So how exactly can we then be faithful to the message with our method? Now, We're actually doing this in a lot of ways already as a church. Our Alpha Course dinners, that's a great example. There was this one Alpha participant who isn't a church member here. This is what they said is how strangely disarming it is for people to just give out free dinners to strangers, just dishing them out, just so that you could hang out with us, to have a conversation, so that I could be listened to. And this is what they said, there's no other time or place like that in Toronto. There really isn't many moments like that in our city. And in fact, one or two people who aren't Christians themselves, who just live around this neighborhood, they've expressed appreciation for the experience dispelled even some of their apprehensions and misgivings about Christianity. They have just recently begun to pray out loud. What a risky thing to do. They felt so safe that they could just pray out loud in the company of other people. They've opened themselves up. They've shared their own stories. They've shared their own traumas, entrusting themselves to strangers. God is up to something there. God is up to something there. Our church is planning a good food market. We're trying to create an access point, another one in our neighborhood, to get healthy food options to everyone. So people could just eat well. The diaconeo provisions, that's another example. That's another creative way that we hope to provide delicious and affordable meals in this area. We are hosts to this neighborhood in a way. I'm pointing to to you. You guys, some of you, love to host people. You're already having small groups. You're having dinner parties uh, regularly. We have our community barbecues for families and kids, for anyone in the street. You just have a burger or a hot dog. We do that every summer. And get this, coffee hour. Coffee hour is our weekly thing. Let's not take for granted that we could do coffee hour again. We couldn't do that for a few years. But we have coffee hour again in the space downstairs. Let's make it our thing. Let's make it your thing. And you can reach out to people that you don't know. People you don't usually talk with. Especially people that you see are just by themselves. You just go beside them. Ask who they are. What's their name? How's it going? If they want to be left alone, that's fine. But you're reaching out to be hospitable. Let's make it our thing. Let's be good hosts. All of us here should see ourselves as hosts to this historic space. For anyone who is new or just looking around, they're probably trying to discover if this place has a place for them. Let's make it a place for us, for everyone else. It's our hope and prayer that our hospitality here becomes a hospital for anyone who is looking to heal, who needs to know they can start fresh again, that they feel that they can belong, and in fact that they can encounter the person of Jesus when they finally meet you, or they finally meet your friends here, that they're encountering Jesus Christ. Now after... (coughs) Confronting Jesus for hanging out with sinners. The religious leaders changed the subject a bit. It got a bit uncomfortable for them. So they said to him, now it was about the religious piety. John's disciples, they fasted and prayed. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees. But your disciples, they just keep eating and drinking. They just keep partying. What's up with that? Are you even religious? Lent wasn't a thing apparently for Jesus' followers. So Jesus responds to them. Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is here? You can't do that. The time will come, yes, when I'm gone. Then they will fast. That's one reason we still observe Lent. It's because Jesus isn't here yet. But the point Jesus is making here is that he's really (coughs) about bringing the party to us. That is to say, he's bringing heaven down to earth. And he is the whole point of the celebration. Just like how you attend a wedding party, it's not about you. It's about those who just got married. They're the whole point of the party. Just like how heaven on earth, this is about Jesus. Now, it's pretty ironic and sad that one caricature of Christians is that we're party poopers, right? We're prudes of pharisaical proportions, that we can just be like the religious leaders. It's all about the rules. It's all about the rules. It's ultimately not about following God's rules, as important as that is. Do people get into a dance, or they get into sports, or they get into a game just so that they could follow the rules? That's slightly neurotic, if you do. (laughs) No people get into sports, they get into a game, they get into a dance, just so that they could enjoy them for its own sake, and according to the rules. That's how you truly enjoy something, when you're enjoying it for its own sake, according to the rules. Jesus didn't come to make Christians into these holy book rule keepers. He came so Christians can keep the party going, keep the party going. The party that he started when he finally kicked out all the party poopers of the world, that is sin, death, and the devil, they want to ruin everything. Flip the tables. Destroy everything. But no, Jesus came to bring the party down. Keep it going. When he died and rose again to make us to joyful celebratory people. Let me put it this way. One of the titles of the God of the Bible is the Lord of hosts. That's traditionally meant as uh, the military commander, commander of all the angels in heaven. We think of it that way. But... You probably already noticed this, Lord of Hosts. We can mean that as God, as the matre d' of all the waitstaff in heaven and on earth. If you follow Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are a host of heaven here on earth. You are alongside the ministering angels and archangels and all the hosts of saints of heaven. You're waitstaff for Jesus to serve and wait upon this world, upon creation, upon people. As we are waiting for the bridegroom to show up for his own party. As servers, as hosts, as waitstaff, our mandate is to keep the party going until Jesus shows up again. Everyone in this world has an open invitation from Jesus to come, sit, dine with me it's up to them. If they want to carry on into that banquet hall, if they want to celebrate Jesus with us. Because right now we are all metaphorically speaking, we, this time right now is a cocktail hour in the atrium of time. And the church is supposed to be dishing out hors d'oeuvres and cocktails to one another, to the world especially. You're giving to the world a taste, an appetizer, a sampling of what is to come. The main course that is through those doors, they're still shut. Our goal is to have as many people join us to that main event so that we can all be with Jesus. That's what we do as hosts of this atrium moment in time. Now, I've uh, enjoyed watching this recent TV show. You probably have seen it, some of you. It's called The Bear. Uh, Some of you have seen it, and I highly recommend it. It's quite an intense show. This is a comedy-drama about a rough-and-tumble team of restaurant staff under the leadership of this former Michelin star chef, who is the main character, who inherited his dead brother's uh, uh, beef sandwich shop. Again, it's quite uh, raw and gritty, but an absolutely human show. Each character of the show is highlighted as utterly imperfect. But they're trying, trying their darndest to get along. The show begins of them being so demoralized, they're stressed out, burned out, and they're just cussing at each other, and they're not getting along. But then there was this sudden, crazy amount of cash flow that came in, they discovered it, and things could be turned around for the shop finally. They could renovate, they could upgrade the equipment, they could shine this place up. Transforming the shop into this fine dining restaurant. But even despite all of the transformation, they still had to reckon with their own skeletons in the closet. They still had the same hang ups, addictions, and frustrations. And it wasn't so much about the business or the money, in fact, it was about each character's soul. Now, the story is still unfinished, but the character development of each the characters, they're so gritty and raw. It, it shows what healing can actually look like, what forgiveness, what repentance can actually look like, and it's unpleasant. It's so not straightforward, but it shows that it is, in fact, possible. It's possible to be transformed, even in the thickness of the nasty business of hospitality. I read this one Esquire a review that was written by a chef talking about the show. This is what they wrote. Now, restaurants are places of caring and connection and possibility. They're community hubs, uh, lightning rods, innovators, repositories of powerful memories. They shape culture as well as respond to it. For workers, they can mean refuge and stability, but they can also sometimes be a home for dreams and ambitions. A place where maybe, just maybe, they can begin to heal themselves. Now, some of you here are in the food industry, and you probably resonate with that. But for us, call ourselves Christians here, we are all inevitably in the hospitality industry. If you're following Jesus, you are inevitably in the hospitality industry. And the work of hospitality itself, in the thick of that, in the muddy stew that we're in, that is Healing. That is healing for us because we all need to be healed. We all need to be saved. And only Jesus can save you by hanging out with you. Jesus can save me and he can hang out with me. And what can be the nasty business of loving our neighbors? That can be stressful. That can be unrewarding. We ourselves who are sinners in need of salvation, we are being healed. The process. Because we're slowly becoming like a servant. Like a servant. Just like Jesus Christ. Who came not to be served, but to serve everyone. And he did that by laying down his life upon the cross. And he died for you. He died for me. That's how he served. So let us at least serve others at the table. That is the least we can do. Let our hospitality be a hospital for everyone. And as wait staff in this world, let's wait upon people as we wait for Jesus Christ to come back again, to make everything new. All to his glory alone, we pray. Amen.
0: You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.